Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. So it's good to see everyone. And I know that the past few weeks we've been going through a, a journey and a series which we called, uh, you know, winning your city for Christ. And so I decided to cut that series just a little bit short because today I want to do kind of a, a freestyle, a message in my heart that's going to be separate from what we have went through the past three or four weeks with that series. And I really hope and believe that you left not just encouraged, but empowered to know that God has called each and every individual to win people, to win our city, so that we can see the glory of God continue to be manifested where you are. Amen? And so today, I want to talk to you about the streams, a stream, a brook, like a river that never runs dry. I want to talk to you about how Jesus desires to be our everything, how he desires that we live in a place where he is the source of life, the source of joy, where he wants to transform us that lasts not just for a moment, but that will start right here with each and every individual in this room and even in our island of Bali. But he wants that transformation to take place that will continue to go on into eternity. I want to let you know that eternity begins the moment we are born. The the moment we are born on this earth, that's when eternity begins. It's not when we eventually pass away or move on from this earth, but it begins the moment that the breath of life hits your body. And so I want to talk to you today about living water that transforms for eternity. If you have your Bibles this morning or your tablets or your smartphones, let's go to the book of First Kings. It's in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the book of First Kings, and we'll be reading from verse 17. And we'll start with verse 7. I'll wait for everyone to get there. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Of course, you can always read on top. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And it says, sometime later, the brook, meaning the stream of water, dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, meaning the prophet Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there. A widow meaning someone who lost their husband. Now she is alone. She's without her husband and is not remarried. Says There was a widow there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked her, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, 
and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, but only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me, and from what you have, bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. What I think is so important that I want to highlight in this story, and this is a story that maybe you have heard spoken before. If you have been a Christian or a follower of Jesus, and you've been listening to different teachings or messages that we find in our Bible, I'm sure you heard this story before. It's so interesting that the whole background of this was there was a nation and a country named Israel and how God desired to utilize them, to use them to display his glory. That was many, many years ago. And within this nation, there were a lot of people who turned their hearts away from God, who started to worship other false gods. They were going after money. They were literally sacrificing their kids to different idols. They were doing all these things that was against the God of who we know, the God of the universe. So he spoke to this man. His name is Elijah. And he was one of the few people where his heart did not turn away from God. And he spoke to him and said, listen, I want you to go before all the people within the region of Jerusalem and the outer territories. And you're going to declare this word. You're going to say, it is not going to rain until I say so. Because he was hoping that the physical droughts of no rain would eventually impact the hearts of men and women. In the Old Testament, many times, God used exterior things to get to the hearts of people like you and I. He will use blessings. He will use different things to reach us. And so this prophet comes on the scene and he says, because your hearts are turned away from God, because there was a king and a queen named Jezebel who was leading a whole nation away, he was like, it is not going to rain until I say so. As I get to later in my message, you're going to find out what the living water is. You're going to find out who the living water is and how it brings about transformation to us here and now. Because the reigns of God is everlasting. Amen? So I feel like within our country of Indonesia, within people, sometimes we take the same position like this woman who was a widow. When tough times come our way, we begin to mope 
and groan and complain and say, God, where are you? God, look at me. I have no income. I have no resource. I only have a few sticks to gather up so I can make my bread, eat it, and die. Doesn't that sound so depressing? And a lot of times, as people of God, we sometimes go through that same kind of thinking of, Lord, where are you? Lord, how come you have forsaken me? And now we start to go into a place where we forget who the Lord is. And this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to remind you of who God is, of how he wants to be your A, your B, your C. He wants to be your answers from the beginning to the end. He doesn't want to be somebody you go to only when you're desperate, but he wants to be the person, the God of your life, where you do things together and how you do life and he is your everything. And if you're here as a guest and you're hearing this message for the first time and you are not a Christian or you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to let you know at the end of my message, I will give you an invitation to receive Jesus into your life and to allow his spirit and his light to live within you. Amen? So what are some of the brooks that we rely on? The streams of water that we try to rely on that will run dry. I feel that some of the brooks or the streams of water that will eventually run out is when we're trying to find fulfillment, to feel fulfilled, purposeful, when we're relying on relationships. What do I mean by that? Relationships are not bad. God instituted the marriage the family, before he instituted the church. So relationships are good. We are built for communion. We are built for having fellowship. But then sometimes we are trying to replace the thing that God created us to be, and we try to replace it with someone else who was never meant to take the place of our living God. Come on, can I get an amen? And I know like in my relationship, With my wife, Angie, I know that with each other, we do find joy and we do find fulfillment, but she and I are limited in our capacity. We are limited in our patience. We are limited in our energy. We are limited in how much love we can express. And if you're here today and you're thinking, oh, if I only had the right relationships in my life, then I will feel fulfilled. I will feel like I am whole and I am complete. I remember in the States when I was traveling for ministry this past year, I was on a plane ride to a major city in America. And in that plane ride, you know, I had every expectation to read my book. I got this brand new book. It was a gift. And some of you already know me. I am a very outgoing, talkative person, but I was just determined I'm going to read this book as much as I can because I know I'm about to do a couple of days of ministry. I want to make sure I'm ready just to uh, relax a little bit. 
And in that conversation, the lady who sat next to me, who was, you know, a little bit older, she was around 50 or so years old, we began to strike a conversation. And long story short, in our conversation, she began to ask things like, well, what do you do? And I share with her, I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm an evangelist, I'm a pastor, I love Jesus, I travel around and I want to tell everyone of who Jesus is. And she began to say, oh, okay, that's, that's amazing, I'm so glad to hear that. And I began to ask about her and it was a good conversation. She was not a Christian. Many people think everyone in America is a Christian. She was not. And so she began to say, I was raised in a very uh, like Christian household, but I decided to walk away because I couldn't find my fulfillment in that. She just couldn't find it because her perspective of who Jesus is and what he has done is completely off. And a lot of times, our perspective of who Christ is is wrong because of, of how we see it displayed in other people. And so she began to talk to me a little bit more, and I found out how in her life, she's been going from one relationship to another, to another, to another. She's always with another person in a new relationship. And right now, she was with a different relationship Now, it was with a female, no longer a man. And we began to talk and I began to share with her about the goodness of Jesus because I want to make sure that we can uh, combat the lies or come against the lies that maybe she thinks or knows because of maybe what she has seen or experienced. And in that plane ride, she decided to go to the bathroom. And as she was in the bathroom, I said, Jesus, right now, Give to me a word of knowledge for this lady because I want her to know that you are real and and that you want to have this awesome relationship that transforms her life where she's not going from relationship to relationship to to find the fulfillment that can only be found through Jesus. And as she was in the bathroom, the Lord revealed to me a picture. I just saw an x-ray of a skull. And in this x-ray picture that I saw in my mind, um, I began to see squiggly lines coming out from the skull, representing that she has a lot of pain in her head. When she came back to her seat, I began to say, let me share with you what God showed me. I shared the detail. And I said, what does this mean to you? I knew it was something in her life that she has pain with. And right away she said, wow, I can't believe it. Oh my God, that's what she said. I didn't say that. She was like, for the past five years, I've been dealing with something, something migraines. And she says, I'm on heavy medication. And she said, for 14 days out of every month, I'm in my bed and I cannot function. And I immediately said, how do you think I know that? I don't know, I just met you. And she was like, it has to be Jesus. And I'm like, if Jesus revealed it, He doesn't just want to heal you from those migraines that you have, but he also wants to restore your heart and bring about restoration where he is, your living water. Amen. Amen. What are the other brooks or streams of water as people that we try to draw from to find? 
I feel like sometimes we try to find our identity in what we do or what we can achieve. Uh, how, many of you, how many of you ever said, Lord, if I only have more money in my bank account, I will be better? And come on, most of you are lying. That's me, come on, right? Right, how many of you said, Lord, if, if I only went to the certain school and got a certain degree, Lord, I will feel like I'll be more prepared to take on the task you have called me. You know, and it's always one thing to the next, to the next. Lord, if I could only buy a house, then I'll feel fulfilled. Lord, if I have a big family, Lord, if I have a car, Lord, if I, and all of a sudden, we're trying to find fulfillment in what we can achieve. I shared a story before, but it's been a long time, so I'll share it again. Before, um, when I was living in the States, I was also pastoring, but I was also a financial advisor, and I worked for several big financial companies that's worldwide, global. And I remember in my office, there was one producer who was well-known. He was in magazines. He made a lot of money very respected, very wealthy in so many ways. And I remember one time, I'm just having a conversation with him. Remember, I was small fish. He was big fish. Let's put it like that. He made a lot of money. He had institutional clients. What that means, he would place trades for companies. His commission check after, you know, the company took the, was like 20,000 US, one trade. And that happened often. This man had, it, had the American dream. He had the house, his kids went to Ivy League schools in America, he is now in his 50s, and I'm having a conversation with him about the peace of God I have in my life because of what was going on at that time in that place. I walked away. About five minutes later, he walks into my office, which I was kind of surprised, and he said, Jason, I liked what you were sharing with me before, can you tell me a little bit more? We begin to talk. I'm going to fast forward. This is a man who said, you know what? I have everything. And I thought that if I would climb this ladder within the corporation, if I would climb the ladder, now I'm at the top. I have everything I have ever dreamed. I have all the money I need. I have the houses, the cars, the influence, but I still feel empty. How come you have peace? How come you have joy? How come you have fulfillment? And right there and then in my office, I begin to share with him my testimony of how Jesus is the living water that transformed me when I was 19 years old. And to this day, I'm still living transformed. And he said, you know what's funny? He said, when I was in college back many years ago, I think it was 35 years ago, he was like, I had a roommate, and he was in love with Jesus, and he would always share the gospel, tell me about Christ and all this stuff, and I didn't want to listen. I just said, whatever, you know, you can keep your religion to yourself. I want to do what I want to do. Long story short, right there and then in my office, this man with much influence bowed his head and said, I'm ready to receive Jesus because I want what you have. See... If you think you're going to feel fulfilled 
If you think you're going to have your identity fulfilled because of what you can have in this world, once you attain it, once you achieve it, and once you get to that level, I'm telling you, you're going to feel nothing but emptiness. But see, Jesus is more than just about cars and blessings and things. Jesus is about giving you hope that lasts forever. Jesus is about giving you a new perspective in life. Jesus is about giving you this joy that is uncontrollable, uncontainable joy. Will you wake up now with purpose and you say, Lord, I can't believe that this is the day you made for me. And Lord, I'm going to walk it with you and I'm going to rejoice with you. This is the life that God has for us. And if you're trying to draw from that stream, if you're trying to draw your identity or fulfillment from the stream of finances or achievements, I'm going to let you know you will be disappointed because money can buy you all those things. I'm reminded of Steve Jobs who passed away several years ago. And on his deathbed, he was dealing with cancer in his uh, pancreas. And for 10 years, he was fighting the battle with cancer. He had all the money in the world, all the influence in the world. He was the owner and creator of Apple computers or Apple, what we know today. And on his deathbed, he said, this money means nothing to me. If I could just buy more time. I'm going to tell you right now today, if your heart is feeling dry, empty, Jesus wants to be the stream of life that fulfills you. Sometimes we are trying to find peace in the wrong places, systems, a government. That's another stream of water or brook that will run dry if we just pull our all in that. Sometimes we think, Lord, I know that this past week there were demonstrations all over Indonesia, Maidan, Jakarta, Jogja, about what's happening within some of the government systems and that division that handles corruption. And some people were really unhappy and they were, it was their right, demonstrating and protesting, saying, we want change in some of our laws. We want change in what happens. I'm not against that. But a lot of times we put our hope in the government thinking they're the ones that's going to help bring fulfillment or peace within me. Sometimes we put our hope in institutions like hospitals. I'm not against hospitals. They're good. But sometimes we think like, if, if I only was able to get to the hospital, then I will be better. If I had more medication and more this and more that. And sometimes we put so much hope in those things. Jesus says that I want to be the one that heals you. That I want to be your protector. I'm going to tell you something. I remember this story just came to my mind years ago when we were living in our home. We, we, we owned our home back in the States. And I remember one night as a usual routine, I was just locking up my door. It's just, I'm just checking. It's just a routine. You know, I'm a father and I have four beautiful kids. I want to make sure that my family stays as safe as possible. And as I was locking the front door, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. He said, Jason, these locks are not your protector. 
I am. And he spoke to me in that moment where I realized, Lord, you're my, you're my everything. You're my safety net. Lord, you're the one that will fight against me. And like that song we were singing earlier where it says, you know, we have the victory. And even though the weapon may be formed against me, it won't prosper. And that verse is found in Isaiah. And then very next words in that same verse, I don't remember. I think it's Isaiah 61. Don't quote me. It's been a while. But it says that no weapon formed against you will prosper and every lying tongue will be refuted. God says, I will defend you. I will protect you. And I will be the one that will give you the stream of life that will last for eternity. So who is Jesus? Who does Jesus want to be in your life and in my life? Who did he declare to say he is? Jesus is more than just a God amongst other religions. But Jesus declared that I am the way, that I am the truth, and I am the light unto the Father in heaven. Let's read this verse. In, in the book of John, chapter 6, verse 33, it reads like this. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, the people he's speaking to said, sir, they said, always give us this bread. Because they were like, okay. They remember the story they heard from their ancestors of how in the wilderness, when this nation of Israel was walking around, wandering around for 40 years in the desert, it says how every day God provided this food called manna. We don't know what it is, but a lot of people thought it was really good roti, yeah? Really yummy, sweet bread. And so they said, oh, we want that bread of life. Give it to us now, sir. And then Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Woo! How do you love that? How do you love that God says, I want to fulfill your every desire, your every quench, your every thirst, your hunger that cannot be fulfilled by other people or by an employer or by what's in your bank account about which country you live in, but it can be fulfilled through Jesus. See, what happens is this. Like these people right here, they were very religious. And it said, what must we do? What can we achieve in our own strength? Religion would teach you to do, to work, to give ceremonies, to give finances, to always make sure you do your part. But where religion says do... Jesus says done. I remember I was, um, my wife and I, we were at this beautiful um, place where you get to eat lovely fish on the, uh, on the beach side. It's not too far from here. And so we were recommending you should go to this place. They have really good fish. And so my wife and I decided to take a date night and we went out there. And, and I remember the food came out, oh, it was so yummy. We loved every minute of it. 
while we're eating this food, we're ranting and raving like, oh my goodness, when my brother comes to visit us for Christmas, we're going to invite him here. Oh man, we're going to come back all the time. This is the best fish ever. Then we, you know, we ate our meal, finished up. We ate a lot of fish, a little bit of roti. We're walking on the beach. And then as we get in the car half hour later, after, you know, eating the fish, we started getting these stomach pains, headaches, and we were hungry for more. We realized they put a lot of MSG in our fish. And see, what happens is that's what religion is like. At first, it tastes really good. You're like, I can do this. This is the best ever. But after a while, you get a headache and you're hungry for more because it doesn't satisfy. And that's why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the one that can fulfill your thirst. I am the living water that will last for eternity. And if you're here this morning and you're looking for something real, and you're looking to be reawakened again, allow Jesus to be the stream in your life. Allow Jesus to be the one that gives you the hope and joy that we so desperately need. Allow him to be the one that gives you courage because he will satisfy. I want to end with this testimony, and we're going to take communion shortly. I have more, but I, I just can't get to the rest of my sermon. It's okay. I just prepared a lot. That's always a good thing. I remember this, this past week, I had a, a privilege. We had a privilege to baptize this new believer. And before we were baptizing her, she began to share her story. And she was sharing her stories with just so much joy that she was crying because it was tears of joy. I'll never forget that. She was not a Christian. And as she was sharing the story, she said, when a lot of my friends found out that I was becoming a Christian, they kept saying, what are you doing? Stop. Don't do it. It's a mistake. You're crazy. What are you doing? Do not do this. Even some people through social media or private text begin to tell her, I forbid you. And she said, this is how I responded. She said, you may kill me, but I'm still going to follow Jesus. Her financial situation didn't change. Her family situation didn't change. There was nothing in the physical that changed. But she said, you know what? I have a peace. I finally have a peace. She said, all my life, when I was following my religion to the best I could, I never had peace, ever. I used to get, she said, I used to get into arguments with my husband. And he said, you cannot leave our religion. I forbid you. And there was always that tension. But then last week, she decided to follow Jesus and dedicate her life. And she had this joy, and she was crying often. I wish she were there. But I remember as I was there, I'm not going to do the last slide, so please skip that, AV team. As we were there, she was sharing a story, 
And she reminded me of a story that happened in Genesis. And right before we went out to do the baptism, she had a couple of friends who were not believers or well, who were also followers of her old religion. Because they were there, they want to support her, I guess. And the story that came to my mind was this. A long time ago, in the book of Genesis, the father of, you could say, the faith per se, Abraham. Some people know him as Abraham. And it says how he was waiting for this promise of a son. He was already in his 90s and he had no kids. But God said, I promise you, I'm going to make you a nation. Didn't even have one kid and he was still in his 90s. Long story short, he finally had two sons. Long story short is we read the story of how he takes Isaac to the mountain because God said, I want you to sacrifice him. Literally. Back in the day, things were very bloody. I'm just telling you right now. Let me get to the end of the story. And so the Jews believe this same story. The Christians believe this. Even the Muslims believe this. Um, it doesn't matter. It's not here or there. But, you know, the Muslims say, oh, it was Ishmael. And we say it's Isaac. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. But I'm sharing the story because it came to my heart for those who were there to support in baptism, who were not followers of Jesus. And it said, as Abraham raised the knife and was about to strike it down on his only son, his only promise, it says that the angel Lord came out and said, stop. The Lord now believes you, that you will follow him for the rest of the days of your life. And then he says, turn around, look over there. So Abraham turns and he looks and he says, he sees a ram stuck in these bushes. His, his horns are stuck and he can't go anywhere. And God said, don't sacrifice your son. I have provided. You sacrifice that. And about 2,000 years ago, God also provided sacrifice that we can never do. In the holy land of Jerusalem, where his one and only son, who was Lord, we said, stop sacrificing yourself. Stop praying. Stop trying to be righteous on your own. Stop doing these religious ceremonies. Stop. I have provided. And Jesus was crucified on a cross 2,000 years ago so that we can stop fighting for our righteousness, so that we can stop sacrificing our own sons and daughters in the name of religion, so that now we can live with the total righteousness that is found through the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice of God, which is Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning, and you're hearing this message for the first time, and you feel like you've been looking to these different brooks or streams of water to find your satisfaction, to feel fulfilled. You've been doing your prayers. You've been, you know, going to your temple or whatever that is, trying to find peace with God. But it never satisfied. Today, I'm going to let you know that the only way to find fulfillment in life, the only way to ever get rid of your sin, the only way to ever have a clear conscience is through surrendering your heart 
and your life to Jesus. And just like that lady who we saw come to Christ, as she was just crying with joy, uncontrollable joy, she said, I finally have peace. If you want that same peace of God, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to receive Jesus as your Lord. There's no other way under heaven or under earth that we can find our salvation except through the name of Jesus. And God says, if you follow me, I promise you won't thirst again, you won't be hungry again, and streams of living water now will flow from out, from within you. If you want to receive Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Raise your hands so I can see it. Amen. I see your hands. I see one hand. Amen. Who else? Anybody else? I'm going to pray with them. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I want to pray with you. I see your hand. Amen. You can put it back down. Anyone else? I don't want to rush this moment. Anybody else? Am I missing anyone? The lights. All right. I see a hand over there. Awesome. If you raise your hand, let, let's just say this prayer. And you're not praying to me. You're praying to Jesus. So say, Jesus. Everyone. Actually, let's everyone pray together. Say, Jesus. Today, I dedicate my life to you. I give you my dreams. I give you my sin. I give you everything that I am. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for being the sacrifice for me. Forgive me. Wash me. Make me whole through the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, fill me. Live in me. Give me the life of everlasting. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.